0: Hi, Beyond the Now podcast listeners, change makers, change agents, community leaders, academics, whatever title you subscribe to or find yourself identifying with, we're happy you're here. We're glad you're tuning in. And I hope that by now you have subscribed to the podcast, whatever platform you're listening on, that you've shared it with someone who is either in your field or can be encouraged by one of the interviews that we've had. We end the season with the very first interview, in real interview, you know, (laughs) Um, that Amanda and I sat down to test out whether we're actually capable of of doing this. We wrote out the questions, um, did our research, well, you know, Amanda did all of that with when she was interviewing me, for sure. And it was a great conversation that went on for about two and a half hours, as per usual between her and I. But this was much more structured, as you'll hear. And I listened to it, not remembering any of it, but was so surprised with the wisdom we were able to share with each other and how far it's come. So I hope you enjoy it too. So, today's my turn to interview the lovely amanda jones when i think of you uh amanda the the sentence that came to mind is like avid networker and <laughs> story uh gatherer <laughs> almost wow. so, as we talk more today we'll figure out a little bit more about you and what makes you tick and other things that keep your fire going um so yes the line yeah. of, our line of questions are uh, within the realm of systemic change and future forward thinking. I'm excited to delve into that.
1: Would you like to introduce yourself a little bit? Thank you. Thank you for welcoming me with such a kind description. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, my name is Amanda Jones. I like to tell stories. <laughs> Uh, I kind of have opted that term for myself ever since I started at Ashoka because i they really put an emphasis on telling stories as a way to engage people, and if I could just give myself a word or like call myself something, it would definitely be storyteller. so that's awesome. <laughs> that's why we're here today. Uh-huh.
0: Let's test it
1: out see how it goes and learn a little bit more about myself as I try and explain to you my uh, inner being and my inner workings
0: <laughs> let's delve into it uh, what what sparked your interest in your passion for systemic change you know and I think a lot of people who are familiar with uh, the term systemic change um, or people who are uh, familiar with Ashoka or familiar with community development and the line of thought that just says hey we don't want to just Solve one problem. We want to make sure that this doesn't happen to anyone else in the future, right? And get to a point where there's a system that's healthy and taking care of people, and that can be in different areas of life.
1: Yeah, yeah. I like that you framed it because um, often many people don't know what systems change really is. Mm-hmm. And when um, when I think of it and I look back, I don't think I had a concept for what systems change was when I was younger. And until I actually stepped into and did some research about Ashoka and the world of social entrepreneurship, um, I'd never heard that phrase before. But of course, like it makes so much sense when you do and you start to think about the interconnectedness of everything. Mm -hmm. And that's probably where things started to unfold for me, like Mm -hmm. looking back deeper into my childhood years and like the context in which I grew up. I grew up in Northern Virginia, which is a very diverse city. So I saw cultural diversity from the start. Like I would be in a martial arts class as a young kid and was surrounded by people who were immigrants, who were uh, military families, you know, all sorts of people from different backgrounds, but I didn't know that. I was just around people and, you know, maybe they look different than me, but until I you know, got to know them as a person, I, I never understood. Well, yeah, not even at that point had systems change, been, like, been a thought in my head, um, I think until I was in high school, and yeah, I went on a trip to Nicaragua with a church group, and that was my first time out of the country. I was 17 years old, and yeah, I had an appetite for cult, like, cultural experiences and cultural <laughs> diversity, I think because of the way that I grew up. Um, And when I went to Nicaragua, I saw poverty like I've never seen it. And yeah, and then I I met people who, gosh, just like had these really beautiful solutions to things um, on really, really different, uh, like at a different level than i had ever imagined or thought was possible because i live in this really clean and tidy you know privileged northern virginia and then i go to a farm in nicaragua and you see problems that are like at the root of like the supply chain for food for example like i never thought about the supply chain of where food came from until i went to a farm you know um Nicaragua was just so special in that way because i got to meet people and i got to see the problems they were having and i started to question for myself like why don't i know about these things and Mm. you know what would i do in this situation if i had to try and figure this out um and then when i you know went uh to high school and got a little bit older, had some experiences that challenged me in the public education system. I, um, yeah, I really, really struggled on, on a very personal level for the first time. And kind of connecting it back to systems change, that's probably the first time I looked at the education system and realized that there was something very wrong. And Yeah. Then since then, I think I studied it and I looked into like what, what happens when you want to make something different? (laughs) Like on a personal level, I was there, but I wasn't really thinking systemically about other people who could benefit from it as well. So that's really where, uh, things came full circle when I found out about Ashoka and I found out about this whole field that really fascinated me. Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: Another friend of mine also said to me, like, I I can't believe that I did I lived my life not questioning, and the moment I started questioning things for myself, I've had to overcome um, stigmas and have you know, at, like you're you're also saying, like, there's a personal experience with systemic change, and that that almost propels you into that outward desire of changing systems so that leads me to my next question what are your thoughts on gen z's relationship to systemic change it may be yeah. a big question but i think just if you're mm-hmm. looking at the people that you were in like, like what it's called oh praxis i'm assuming you all were the same age yeah when you look at your relationship with them and you're looking at like as a whole how are you guys responding differently um to systemic change issues um that arise
1: yeah yeah um for sure a really good question gen z so it's quite interesting the way sometimes people frame gen z and millennial i think sometimes they'll group them together and sometimes Mm -hmm. they'll split them apart yeah um but i think it's a really good distinction to make that there are some differences um Mm -hmm. In those generations, so Gen Z, if people aren't familiar, it's technically nineteen ninety seven to two thousand and twelve, and the Millennials anything, you know, the chunk before that. Um, From my personal experience, um, honestly, it's something that I, I feel, I feel a little bit like um, an outsider or a little bit. little bit contrarian um and more social justice oriented than my peers Mm. that I currently um you know work alongside and uh am inspired by Mm -hmm. and that's not to like have a moral judgment or like an ethical judgment of people it's just something I've noticed um and at this point in my life like what I'm interested in so it's kind of natural I think that that's happened um But then looking at Gen Z, apart from my personal experience, I think is important because um, there's been reports about millennials and they've grouped millennials and Gen Zers together. So I did a little bit of research. So according to this report, it's called the Millennial Impact Report. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is from 2019, I believe. Um, So they're talking about millennials and the way that they view themselves and the world. And they said that millennials view all of their assets time, skills, talent, money, voice, purchasing power, and the ability to network as being equally valuable. Uh, I mean, that could probably mean many different things, but for myself, I really relate with that in terms of like, I'm not um, driven more strongly by um, money um, or even like acclaim and talent and being like certain title. Mm. Um, I think I see all these things uh, it's really difficult to like integrate them sometimes but I do see them as like very integrated and connected and important to the well-being of myself and the world Um, and the next thing they said is that millennials operate as everyday change makers whose social engagement ranges from bidding in online charity auctions to buying from and investing in socially responsible companies so that kind of distinction of like the everyday actions that you take and the way that you integrate change making into your entire life, and then the last kind of interesting point that they observed is that um, millennials believe in traditional activism, like voting, petitions, and protests, as the most influential way to bring change. Interesting. Like I see a contradiction in that in some ways, um, at, and on a very personal level because, you know, sometimes. Uh, those things have to do with changing policy or like involving government. And a lot of Gen Zers and millennials have little trust in government and um, their ability to actually create change in, in places like racial equality or poverty. Um, th- those things don't seem to be a priority, or they're not really changing um, according to the government's priorities. Mm. So it's like this really interesting and really difficult place to be as a millennial and Gen Zer I think Mm. um I see a lot of overlap but I think it you know over time and as we begin to talk we'll figure out what are the different ways that we've uh, grown up and observed the world and maybe what are the strengths that millennials have and the strengths that Gen Zers have and
0: there is a lot of overlap and it is definitely that like Oh, you can't just say, you know, if I get these thousand people to um think that they need they need to do this change, then everything's gonna change. And I think we've we've crossed that that bridge together, millennials and Gen Zs. People need to be invested in it with their entire self, right? I think yeah. that might make some people feel really excited about the changes that can happen, but it might make others, again, very despondent because it's, I mean, if people don't believe it at their core, then we've already seen in the older generations that nothing really changes. It's not the biggest difference, but I definitely see how Gen Z is more impatient for change. And this has seen the value of creating, creating and capturing the changes that they are making in their life, right? Like, you're really unique in how you see connections in stories. But I think storytelling is such a big characteristic of Gen Z because through storytelling, Gen Zers are able to say, I am making these personal life choices in these ways. You can, this is how easy or how hard it is, right? And where millennials are a little bit more despondent and feel like they didn't have the the technology to make those platforms work for them yeah that is interesting that you you highlight the similarities because that's important too and i often find myself not looking at the similarities but at the, at the major differences and um <clears throat> that's what i love about our dynamic as well as because you so clearly able to articulate how we can cross those divides and find similarities um, mm. and so i'd like you to just tell us a little bit more about your perspective on um, how storytelling and networking can across can can bre- bridge across those social divides um, between generations, between um, how we see uh, leadership roles.
1: Yeah, I like that you made that distinction across social divides, um, and also within different roles and how we. Use storytelling to kind of bridge gaps. That's really cool. Yeah, I think storytelling is this really special way of communicating. So, you know, we communicate things all day, whether it's in our heads to ourselves or if it's actually to somebody else. And storytelling is unique in the sense that it's very intentional. Um, mm-hmm. You craft it, and it takes time to create a really good story to to create a change or a purpose or. To have someone to take an action in response to your story takes uh, quite a bit of work um, mm. and intuition and understanding about how the world is and who your audience is too. Mm. Um, and those things I've kind of learned in a couple different ways as I've been uh, exploring what it means to, to be an artist, to be a storyteller, um, and then also to be a change maker now um, it's kind of coming together in this interesting way, and I think, yeah, my current way of storytelling is like very practical and it's very, um, you know, contained in some ways because, uh, realizing, you know, <laughs> as an adult, um, versus as a child or even someone who just doesn't have this many commitments and responsibilities, um. The way that you communicate changes. The way that you tell a story changes. Yeah, I almost want to pull back into some stories or experiences of when I was just so free to explore stories and so free to understand, like, and to listen to the stories of others because you learn so much. So, right. one recent experience that I had, um, well, in the past year, was this really wonderful, like. Storytelling, debating, philosophy discussion group that my friend and I uh, started, and we typically would just have these, you know, critical thinking um, dialectics together, just in a house on a couch, talking about things. And this man's was named Edward. Edward, I can't say his last name. I'm going to say it incorrectly, but he uh, is a pastor and a community leader in Kenya. And he came to the fire to tell his story, to tell us, you know, why he does what he does. And it was just a really beautiful experience because it's an example of, like, cross-cultural storytelling and also a really special environment where, you know, we're just sitting around a fire listening and waiting and being curious about what he has to say. It's giving someone a platform and a stage to, like, explore, you know, issues um, personal experiences and um really, their life journey, in a sense, so from that experience, I think I was just so grateful because we talked about things like tribalism and um you know has an emphasis on family or community versus more American individualistic um way of growing up. Mm-hmm. Edward was pointing out that a part of his journey was experiencing it on that very personal level in his community and in his own life so you know and then from there just he expanded on the ways that he was able to take initiative to study um, to create change in his community and this was all just an oral like telling of his experience the end of telling stories can be to have someone take action and Mm. Um, I'm I'm seeing now like that's one way of telling stories uh, it's not a bad thing I think to ask for something at the end of a story I don't think it's bad to want someone to donate or to want someone to take action yeah or to give something it's an exchange yeah. because yeah. telling a story is kind of like a gift and yeah. then if you want to stay and you listen to the story and it's impacted you then there's an invitation to respond. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, That was just a really special experience. And and in other ways, I've had some just fun stories that I would love to share Um, in Africa when I was taking photos and when I was writing a little bit more. And I hope to have more stories to tell because it's kind of this really beautiful place where we can inspire change
0: in our conversation, it's just become more clear to me that those are the kinds of um, interactions that you would like to encourage um, in all like spheres of influence that you're in.
1: Totally. Yeah, you hit it on the head. It's it's a common theme in so many of my experiences and, and I've seen in other people's experiences where there's... Um, someone who has a new perspective um someone who may be from a totally different culture um mm-hmm. and those two things combined you know oh and, and probably the third thing is someone who is actively creating change in their community mm-hmm. uh, or in the world in some way and those things combined i mean it's a recipe for uh, to me inspiration and it's a recipe mm-hmm. for change Um, and then you bring in a younger person who is looking or who is listening and who is ready to listen, Um, it's, it's like inevitable, right, that you would be curious, um, that you would wonder if this person who's all the way across the world, you know, across the Atlantic Ocean is having a problem that I've seen in my own life, and he's finding a way to solve it, wouldn't, I'd be curious to know if there's a way to apply that or if there's some mental models that I can take and learn from him so that I can live a life that is also um, driven by the desire to see change and to live a fulfilling and um, happy life. Wow, sounds amazing. (laughs) The
0: one question that I really just have in my heart to, to ask So you've you've gathered some of these experiences and these changes that have impacted you and you've written about them in your blog that I would encourage our listeners to go and read. It's really cool. But one of your posts, you talk about envisioning your future self. I would love to hear what accomplishment uh, fulfills your future self.
1: Yeah, thanks for the blog shout out. I will say I'm shifting it towards more of my current interests so I hope to be writing a little bit more and processing these thoughts that we're talking about as well yeah so for me the future self uh, blog that I wrote it's really a fundamental like teaching myself how to create a life that I'm happy with so I think I'm kind of point that out because it's such a it's so big (laughs) like what do I want to do you know and what kind of impacts do I want to have? And those kind of questions are so exciting and I can dream all day, but the daily kind of like internal processing. And like you said, meditating on that question is really when I start to find the answers and to see some patterns in myself, you know, like I'll, mm-hmm. I'll find and I'll discover things that really enlighten me and f- help me to figure out where my efforts will be best placed in the world and with the time that I have. Yeah, yeah. I just, I frame it so much because uh, I think about it a lot and these are the questions and the things I've come across and I think are kind of helpful to help to, to discuss with other people because a lot of times you'll get the question, so what do you want to do? What are you going to do with your life?
0: Literally. <laughs> i wonder at, like, the end, at what age people stop asking you that question
1: <laughs> yeah. when
0: you're
1: <laughs> honestly i think if you don't have a title if you don't have you know a certain amount of experience under your belt mm. people will always ask that question which i think is a little bit unfair and kind of silly and it makes sense because it's natural to want to like understand a person and you don't know, want to make assumptions and put them in a so, box yeah, it's an interesting question, but when someone asks me that, you know, I think I would rather have someone ask more pointed questions that would be a way of processing things. Um and asking you at this point in your life with the experiences you've had blah 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 or like what are you doing right now or what's on your mind? Uh what's bothering you or you know just things like yeah. that that start to un unfurl, unleash all of these inner um questions. So the question is, you know, what accomplishment fulfills your future self? And to me, on a very basic level, like I would like to be someone who, in one sense, like being healthy, if I don't have my health, and if the people around me aren't healthy, then there's a problem. That is very closely tied to the environment, uh, climate change, and that's something that's really uh, important to me, and something that I'm exploring more, and and trying to understand my role in as I listen to other people who you know are out petitioning or as I listen to people who are having conversations about the wider conversation and policy and all these things that are so big I know just so intuitively that this is something that I have a passion for uh, and a connection to I think we all have a connection to the earth so I think fulfilling my future self would be protecting the planet and protecting mm-hmm. people Uh, on a very very basic level that's kind of where I'm exploring things in the next couple months here like I'll be volunteering on organic farms and I'm so excited because I'll get to talk to people who are actually creating a change in their entire lifestyle yeah you know they're living a little bit off grid and they're finding ways to build sustainable communities and it's just a really beautiful way I think to to create a statement and to create life that you're happy with because you have a lot of flexibility when you have your own land and when you are growing your own food and all of that i mean it's just amazing to me and like i'm getting so excited because i think that's where i see myself creating some change in my own life Yeah. Uh, in terms of systems change i'm not i'm not sure if that's uh i don't know (laughs) no i always
0: say i don't want to change the world i just want to be a part of seeing the world change and i think that Mm -hmm. it's a perspective shift that we need to go through um, especially in the west because we grow up is in education school systems and we we're told like you can be an astronaut and you can change the world and you're so unique and you're so we end up realizing that that's not true and then we fall not amongst the stars, but somewhere in the stratosphere. And we just shoot from the hip trying, hoping that we'll, you know, hit the mark. And it doesn't, like, not not what what's gonna make me feel fulfilled when someone asks me the question, you know, what are you doing with your life? What's gonna be an answer that satisfies them, but what's gonna be an answer that satisfies me? Mm-hmm. Sure, that I'm at peace in the work that I'm doing. And that, that again, just plays a lot into that self-care um, of change makers and of entrepreneurs and um, people who are yeah. specifically involved in systems change, that self-care is often neglected. And I think that perspective change of like, I'm not responsible to change the world, but I'm, I am responsible to be a part of a part of the change. And that, that's eating the elephant bite by bite, right?
1: That's a really good point. Ooh. Oh <laughs> you, I'm really glad you said that because I'm living that, mm. but having someone identify that, and also your experiences have shown you that self-care is neglected in changemakers.
0: I think if if, uh, changemakers were to have conversations with each other every week, they would have to start the first 45 minutes of the hour telling each other, it's okay to rest, it's okay to feel sad, it's okay Mm -hmm. to feel overwhelmed, it's okay, Mm -hmm. it's okay, Mm -hmm. you're gonna be okay, and it's okay to not be okay for five
1: minutes
0: yeah and I think to me it's so sad knowing that there are many people that I've met even in um, in my my graduate program who now you know in conversation tell me I studied this I wrote my thesis on it but I know now that I cannot commit my life to this because it's too painful and and I and I I would like to think that if some time were were to be taken to just say I don't need to solve this entire issue in with you know within my lifetime then that person might feel that they have they have skills and they have opportunity and they have something within themselves that can contribute to that change. But we mm-hmm. miss out when we push each other so hard. And it doesn't mean that we shouldn't encourage each other uh, we should but it, we need to make room for each other to just not be okay oh. uh, and I and I love how you emphasize you know that encouragement and and the responsibility we have to one another to keep encouraging one another and just the fact that you're so honest about self-care and being staying connected to yourself because I think we well definitely I can speak to this for myself there's just this sense of uh as long as I deny what I need my like, Live in this self denial. I can be strong enough for others, and I can protect others. And mm-hmm. so I think, I, I think the verbiage would change for everyone, but it does come down to this self denial. Um, mm-hmm. But saying you just being honest and saying it's not okay to constantly <laughs> live in that space of self denial, and I mm-hmm. need it's okay for me to be in a healthy environment, and it's okay for me to be and want to be healthy and satisfied and at peace. It yeah. just finds me and encourages me again to self-reflect and, and and seek out the healthy things that are gonna make me a stronger, more dedicated change maker in the end.
1: Right. So Yeah, it's your fuel. <laughs> yeah. And absolutely. It's who you're surrounded by too. Like setting up these things for yourself. Like you're responsible for yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Start there and then start you know, learning from other people who are living lives that you are fascinated by and would like to live as well. Yeah. And it's so interesting. We all get to create our lives, you know, and put together pieces and we hopefully can integrate into something that we're really proud of and happy with. Mm. There's so many challenges that come with that, of course. Privilege, money, (laughs) like everything. Like, there's so many things. And it's disheartening when you um, maybe think about it on your own and it's easier mm. to just go right by and to just like push yourself to the limit so that you or you just ignore it and you live a life that you're not really completely happy with but you're doing it anyways and you're just trying your best and everyone is at like different places in their life yeah and i, I imagine like all of these change makers you know coming together and being able to acknowledge that like you said that we're all mm-hmm. at different places and we all have different interests and passions and skills and strength rather than like spending so much time just steeped in the issue, getting discouraged or overwhelmed um, or just running yourself into the ground because you're a leader or because you're trying to pioneer something that's not healthy and that's not sustainable. And of course you would walk away from that and say, I just couldn't do that anymore. Or I just can't ask yeah. myself. So.
0: It's not to say pioneering is, is, like, the hardest thing on earth, but it, it's very close to one of the hardest things on earth, I think. Um, but what has given me so much peace and joy is is just realizing how, like, to me, this, I mean, I knew this in, like, knowledge, but having worked with you on developing this podcast, I think, has given me so much freedom to believe that I can keep on pioneering uh not because I'm good enough or equipped enough to do it but because I suddenly realized how much value there is in doing it together just I mean to wrap up I think I'm so grateful for for your friendship and for your wisdom and I think you're wise beyond your years um thank you you embody so much um of your experiences within within who you present yourself to be and and um what you have to say and i'm i'm so like internal eternally grateful for it because it just has um your your personal story is when we all connect we are better um and we keep encouraging ourselves and i and the fact that you and i have stayed connected has kept me encouraged and it has kept me driven and it and it it has made me a better change maker and so i'm super grateful for you and thank you so much for sharing everything with us (laughs) i hope you enjoyed listening to the musings of amanda jones and i Kayla love you bad And I look forward to sharing the next couple of interviews with you in season two where we interview a group of entrepreneurs from different backgrounds and with different expertise impacting a broad variety of um, communities across the world. Uh, Hearing their passions and what moves them to action, I hope, and will move you to action too because it's something we desperately need today in our world believe strongly, and take action. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Beyond the Now.